couple days ago, I met in this room right here, spoke at the stage uh, for a man who spent many years in this church, John Tappan, and we had his funeral this past Thursday. After the funeral, an older lady came up to me, and older I mean not in her 50s, because now that I'm in my 50s, that's not older, so (laughs) 80s, she's in her 80s, and she came up to me, and I've seen her in church before, she used to come to this church, and she said, Pastor, she goes, "Um, I've always believed in God, but I don't always believe in Jesus. And I said, oh, that breaks my heart because God sent Jesus so that we would believe in him. He's God's messenger to us to save us. And that's the core of Christianity is to believe in Jesus. A lot of people have opinions about Jesus, who he is, uh, what he came to do. But we've been looking at these seven statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus himself says who he is. These I am statements. And Um, As we go back through the book of John, we learn, first of all, that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And bread satisfies us, just like Jesus satisfies us. Pastor Sam talked about how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And how as the light of the world, he brings us into reality, helps us see the truth, helps us to see who we really are, and that it's actually safe to come honestly into God's presence and have God deal with your sin. Last week, we talked about Jesus' words, I am the gate. Gates are for access. If you just want to keep people out, you build a wall. If you want to have access in and out, you build a gate. Jesus is the gate into something, this thing called an abundant life. To, to go through Jesus to a place that was, that was kind of um, pictured in the Old Testament with the promised land, you know, this land flowing with milk and honey. I always wonder what that phrase meant, by the way. And, and, I, and I read something the other day that made total sense. Um, a land flowing with milk and honey is where the bees are, are very prevalent. They're pollinating the, 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 the trees and the flowers and things are blooming. And, and when bees are healthy, there's honey. There's a production of honey. And also when the cows are healthy or the other animals are healthy that produce milk, milk is being produced. It, it's just a symbol of this land that's flourishing. And, and God wants you to live in a place that's flourishing emotionally and spiritually and relationally and in some ways even physically. He wants us to flourish. But to get to that place, you have to go through the gate, Jesus Christ. He won't force you in, but he invites you. Well, last week we talked a lot about shepherd and sheep. Uh, of all the animals God could have picked to represent us or to be our mascot, he could have picked a different one than sheep. I mean, how about a bronco? Wouldn't that have been a good? You are the broncos. Some of you would have liked that. Uh, or some of you would have liked, liked the lions or the bears, eagles, you know, falcons, something majestic, noble. No, he called us sheep. And sheep are pretty jittery animals, always afraid, not very ferocious, can't defend themselves. They need a shepherd. And to show you a great need of a sheep, a couple hikers were going through Australia uh, backlands a few years ago, and they came across a sheep that looked like an explosion in a cotton factory, or like a cloud just dropped out of the sky. Look at this guy. (laughs) That is a real sheep. There's a sheep in there. There's a sheep behind that wool. But you know what? He doesn't have opposable thumbs and scissors to, to trim himself. He needs a shepherd. He desperately needs a shepherd. In fact, they were so worried about this guy, they named him Chris. They, they, they called the animal rescue and said, you know what, you guys got to get to this sheep out there in the woods because it's so big and covered and summer's coming, he's just going to die. And so they got some expert um, shears, shearers who began to shave the wool off of the sheep. They, it was a Guinness record. 89 pounds of wool. 
almost as much as the sheep itself weighed. 89, that's 30 wool sweaters worth. Can you imagine wearing 30 sweaters? That's what this, this lamb was doing. Here's a before and after picture. Yeah. Biggest loser right there. Right there. You know what's so sad is that the sheep, as much as the sheep wants that wool off, cannot cut it off himself. Needs a shepherd. I think that's Jesus' point. You are dependent creatures. You may think you're independent. You may think you're like the eagle. You are like a wandering, helpless little lamb. You need me, and I've come to be your shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 14, our, our theme for the day. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I want to tell you that you need a shepherd, and there's no better shepherd you'll ever find than Jesus. Since I entrusted my life to him about 40 years ago, I can tell you from personal experience, nobody cares for you. Nobody provides for you. Nobody defends you more than Jesus, the shepherd. And here's the truth. You're in good hands with the good shepherd. You're in good hands with the good shepherd. And we're going to continue this whole theme of shepherds and sheep today because there's another, this I am statement of I am the shepherd. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to do something. Some of you, Maybe this is new to you. Um, you walk into church and you just do things and you walk out and nothing changes. But I'm gonna ask you to, to take a risk, to say, God, teach me today. Open my eyes. Help me to understand what it means to have you as a shepherd in my life. And when you do that, something very almost magical happens. The scriptures start to speak to you in a powerful way. And they begin to penetrate your heart. They begin to stir within you because you are ready. You're like soil that is prepared for the seed. So I'm going to ask if you would do that with me right now to pray that God would speak through his word today. Father, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the words of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would understand the beauty of knowing you as our shepherd. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have a Bible, John chapter 10. By the way, if, if you ever come in here and you don't have a Bible, we have them on that, in that cabinet in back. You can always pick one up, borrow it for the service. If you don't own a Bible, take it with you. If you promise to read it, you can take it with you. We want you to know that God's Word speaks very relevant truth for today. So here we are in John chapter 10, starting with verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is, de is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Because if we learned a couple... Uh, a couple uh, sections later, actually two sermons ago, Pastor Sam talked about how Jesus healed the blind man in John chapter 9. And this is a continuation of that event in the life of Jesus. So I want to share with you two eye-popping realities about this relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. One is about what Jesus does for me, and the other is what Jesus expects from me. So first of all, I want to say this. How Jesus invests in me is quite incredible. 
He really is. It's quite incredible. He is truly the good shepherd. This title, shepherd, is used of God in the Old Testament, how he shepherds and cares for his people. I mean, there are other titles. God is king. He is judged. But there's nothing more beautiful than this title of shepherd and how he cares for his people. And in this title, he actually um, delegated to other leaders. So other leaders in the church, for example, pastors and elders, are told to shepherd the flock that are entrusted to them. In the Old Testament, the, the the leaders didn't follow through on their entrustment to be good shepherds. In fact, if you go back to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, um, verse 2, God had a, had a rebuke to them. And he speaks through Ezekiel these words, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? A shepherd has a responsibility to care for others. Now, many of us care for others. We especially care for our family, particularly our kids. I know parents will come sometimes, and they're very concerned about their kids. And I always assure parents, as much as you care for your kids, there is someone who cares for your kids even more than you do, and that is the Lord. So when your kid goes off to school or off to college, know this, that there is a God who loves your little one even more than you do, because God is a God who cares But Jesus isn't an ordinary shepherd. He's not a hired hand. He's not just your average shepherd. He's the good shepherd because he cares deeply for his people. Now, if you travel in some parts of the world, you will see sheep herding still going on. We don't see it around here much, but over in in the Middle East, northern Africa, there are a lot of people who still shepherd sheep. And there's something very interesting about a shepherd and his sheep. And it's all about the relationship they have with one another. This relationship of knowing. See, Jesus is the good shepherd because he knows us well. He knows me well. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows the son. Think about that. Just as God the Father knew Jesus and they had this relationship, he said, that kind of relationship I want to have with my sheep. A knowing, fellowship-driven relationship. I have to tell you that I grew up in church 16 years before I ever knew that. I thought going to church meant that I got a religion, that I could tell people I I have my religion. I'm Methodist. I'm Protestant Methodist. And when I filled out a form at the hospital, which wasn't very often, but if I did, and they asked what religion, I would put Protestant and check the box, Methodist. That helped the chaplain that would come to visit. I had friends who would write Catholic or Protestant Lutheran, Protestant Baptist, or Buddhist, or whatever. They, marked, they had their religion. And I thought that I was, I was safe because I had my religion. It was good to have a religion, and I had mine, so I was good. But then when I was 16, I learned that God wanted to have a relationship with me through Jesus Christ. I went, this is all new. What does that look like? How do you have a relationship with this invisible God? How do you do that? And it wasn't until I actually surrendered my life to Christ, began to walk that journey, that I began to understand that God really does want to know me And I can really know this God. It is a privilege to know God. When you can know about people, when you can read facts about athletes and movie stars, political figures, and you can know a lot about them, but you really don't get to know a person. Knowing, I mean, know what makes them tick, what their pet peeves are, what their passions are, what excites them, what their dreams are, until you spend time with them. And the more you spend time with them, the more you know not only their mind, but their heart. And Jesus invites us close 
So we know his heart and his mind. And the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you get to know this book, the Bible, the more you listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit within you, the more you walk that journey, say yes to God, the more you get to know Jesus. I think that's an incredible privilege. The, the one who put the stars into orbit, who made this earth, who, who formed Park Pike's Peak, says, I want to know you. Not about you. I want to, I want to know you. I want to get to know your heart. I want to get to know your needs. It, it's a privilege, but you know what it also is? To me, it's a comfort. Because if you would really get to know me and nobody knows me like God, there's, there's some dark things about me. There are things that I think and things that I see and things that I say that God probably isn't real pleased with. There are times that I'm defiant, times that I'm neglectful, times that I'm lazy in my spiritual commitment. And you know what? He knows it all. I, I can fool you. I can come up here on a Sunday. You have no clue what I've been doing all week. God sees behind the scenes. He knows everything. And you know what? I, I'm a human and there are struggles that I have. And God says, I know. I know, I know all the stuff about it. I know your dirt. I still love you. Isn't that comforting? The one who knows us best would probably be the one to say, man, now that I've gotten to know you, you're a jerk. You're, you're bad. No, the one who knows us best says, I know all that, and I love you still. The one who knows you best loves you most. That is the shepherd we have. That's why he's a good shepherd. Here's also why he's good. He lays his life down for me. See, he says the hired hand um, runs away when trouble comes. But good shepherds would never do that. They have this sense of ownership. Now, I, I love that concept of, of having people that you almost feel like I own them. Not, not that I'm going to control them, manipulate them, but I'm committed to them. They're mine. When I first became a children's pastor, I inherited a program where our teachers served two weeks on and then they had two weeks off. So every, every couple of weeks, kids had different leaders. And in the nursery, it was like every week they had a different leader. And I started thinking, you know in public school, kids get a homeroom teacher, and that's their teacher all year. And that teacher starts to talk about their kids almost like they're, they're her kids or his kids. There's a sense of ownership, and they make an impact. I said, you know what? When I think from the kids' side of it, they need to know there are leaders who are committed. They need to know leaders will be there for them. And so I, I, I made a daring decision. I went to all of our teachers and said, you know what, starting at this point, starting when our kids transition to the new grades, we're not going to do this two week on, two week off. If you want to stay working with the kids, I need you to work every week. I need to be a, 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 an every Sunday teacher. If you don't want to do that, you can be on the helper list. But I need to know who's going to be committed to their kids, and they will be your kids. You will get to know them. You will pray for them. You will look forward to seeing them on Sunday when you come in. And you will see their lives getting impact, impacted. And you know what happened? I was, I was prepared that I'd lose half our teachers. I kept about 80% of them who said, I'm going to step it up. I'm going to double my commitment. And you know what they began to see? When they began to own their classes, the kids' lives changed. We had kids come to their teachers and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you baptize me? And it was an incredible experience. You would think that asking more of the teachers would drive them away, that actually caused them to realize, this is why I'm doing this. I want to make a difference in the kids' lives. You're helping me to do that in a greater way. That's why when people volunteer here with our kids, we ask them, make a commitment that these will be your kids. Be a small group leader of a group of kids. Pastor Sam told me this this week. He said, if you want to work with high school kids, they ask for five years. Not a sentence, an opportunity. That you'll get a group of boys or girls their freshman year, and you'll get to know them and love them and encourage them, 
mold them. And then you'll stay with them their sophomore year and then their junior year and their senior year. And then he says, we ask for one more year of commitment because it is the most difficult year of those kids to transition from the safe high school youth group to college or the workforce. And they need to know that you are still with them to help them make that next step, to land well wherever it is they need to land. And I said, that's a tall order. But you know what? There are people who are saying, I want to do that. I want to be that kind of leader. I want to be a shepherd who's willing to pay the price to sacrifice for my sheep. I mean, those of you in the military know the concept of laying your life down for someone else. I mean, the last man out concept. Or you've heard the phrase, um, the captain goes down with the ship. They don't run when trouble comes. Jesus said the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep because when a wolf comes, he abandons the sheep and runs away. I lay my life down for the sheep. In 2012, there was a cruise liner that off the coast of Italy got too close to the, to the coastline, hit a, hit a bunch of rocks, caused the ship to begin to tilt and capsize. Now, the captain of the ship says that when the ship began to capsize, he was thrown off the ship into the rescue boat. <laughs> but, the, but the recording with the port authority says something very different. Here's what was recorded. He's in the rescue boat. He gets this message. Captain, this is an order. Now I am in charge. Get back on that ship and coordinate operations. There are already casualties. Captain Francesco Scatino said, how many? Response back, you should tell me that. What do you want to do? Go home? Now you get back on that ship and tell us what can be done. How many people are still there and what they need? And he didn't do that. 32 people died in that accident. He's in prison for 16 years for manslaughter and failing to help his vessel filled with more than 4,000 passengers and crew members. When ABC News interviewed a veteran um, ship captain, he said this was a violation of the first law of the sea. The captain is the last person to leave a sinking ship, he said. A good shepherd would never leave. A good shepherd will stay and even lay his life down. Jesus said, I- I'm going to lay my life down. And I have authority to take it up again. You know, when we say that evil men killed Jesus, that would never would have happened had Jesus not said, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to allow them to do that because when they kill me, I'm going to raise myself back up. Remember Jesus on the cross? He chose the moment when he says, into your hand I commit my spirit. We're going to celebrate that. Good Fridays this week. Jesus chose the moment he would die. And three days later, Easter morning, Jesus chose the moment he would rise from the dead. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the good shepherd because he laid his life down for us. And you know what? Whether you realize it or not, you have a shepherd. It is either the devil, because the Bible says that all who sin are under the power and authority of the evil one who works in this world. So whether you know it or not, you start there. And then you can choose a different shepherd. It requires a choice to accept him as Lord of your life. But when you choose Jesus, he becomes your shepherd. I did that 40 years ago, and you know what? I love the arrangement. Being under new management has made all the difference in my life, and it will in yours as well. That's what he does for us. But what Jesus expects for me, or expects of me, is really quite simple. I'm going to jump down to verses 27 to 30. Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This upset the religious leaders. They wanted to kill him for what he just said. But the essence of what Jesus is saying is that being a Christian means you simply follow the good shepherd. We put a lot of emphasis in Christianity on accepting Jesus. And, and that's an important thing to do. That's a great decision. But, but we never want to minimize the bigger issue, which is following Jesus. Accepting Jesus just starts the journey. Following Jesus is the journey. And to emphasize that beginning too much and neglect the latter is a lot like emphasizing the wedding over the marriage. You know, that happens in our culture. People will spend ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 on this big event called the wedding. And they'll spend months and months, all this attention to detail and all this work, and people come in, and it's, it's this grand event. And I love weddings. They're beautiful. They're memorable. But you know what? I wish, I wish couples would invest like that in their marriage. I mean, when, when something's offered to couples to enhance their marriage and say, you know what, we have a marriage class and it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost $50 to go to this class. Go, I, I, don't, we, I don't think we can afford that. Really? How much was your wedding? I mean, really think about that. $20,000 for one day. What are we investing? What do you invest? How do you invest in your spouse? What kind of date nights? What kind of getaways? Uh, what, what kind of um, ongoing support do you get for your marriage? And see, we emphasize the, the beginning so much and neglect the relationship, which is really where it's at. You can have a really cheap wedding, take all that money and invest in your marriage, and really you'd be better off, honestly. It's about the relationship. It's about walking with your mate. So I love the fact that we get to celebrate a baptism, but, you know, that's the beginning. It's the daily journey of following Jesus. How do you do that? How do you follow Jesus? Very simply, two things. One, I must listen to his voice. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. That's why every Sunday we talk about this. We want you to hear God's voice, say yes to him. That's the key. Hear God's voice, say yes to him. How do you hear God's voice? Well, you've got to slow down. You've got to slow down. You know, it's not like tuning in an old radio. Now, I know radios are different today, but our older radios had dials, and you would turn that radio dial to get to the right channel, and there'd be static, and then you'd get that moment where it's clear, clear. In our lives, we've got to get past the static. And what is static? It's the TV. It's the, it's the Facebook. It's the text messaging. It's the constant chatter of words all around us all the time. I mean, even when you watch TV, there's lines and lines of stuff going on on the TV, pictures and messages on top of messages. And, you know, your brain just gets overloaded. You have to slow down. And for me, the best time to slow down is in the morning. It was interesting. I've been fighting a cold all week, and I went to bed at 10 o'clock Thursday night. I wake up Friday morning. I'm feeling pretty alert. I look over, and it's 2.15. I thought, 2.15? I want to go back to bed, but I feel wide awake. So I got up, went into my office, and said, I'm just going to go back and, and work on the sermon. And then when I get tired, I'll just crawl back into bed. Well, four hours later, and my sermon was all finished. I had a beautiful time of fellowship with the Lord working. I felt like, man, I just, this is such a sweet time. It reminded me how often it's in those early morning hours when you open up your Bible, when you just listen to the Lord. The dogs aren't barking yet, and the busyness in the house hasn't happened yet, and the cars aren't heavy on the, on the roads yet, that you, that you get away from the static and hear the voice of God. Or maybe for you it's late at night. I don't know, but it's finding a place and a time where you can listen to the voice of God. Listen to his voice, and the second part 
follow him. I must follow him. Sheep do not have a right to call someone a shepherd simply because they've made a decision. They call him a shepherd because they follow. You know, Jesus said there's coming a time where people will say to him, Lord, 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 you're our Lord. Look at all we've done for you. And Jesus said, you know, I don't even know you. Who are you? Because you never did the stuff I was asking you to do. It's not what we profess, saying you're a Christian. It's what you practice. It's following him. It's not talk, it's trust. You may say you believe, but you show you believe by your lifestyle. Let me just ask you this. This is a very simple test to know whether you're a Christian or not. Are you hearing the voice of God, and are you following that voice? I get people, especially when there's a funeral, who will say like, hey, we found out this person who, who didn't go to church and didn't give any evidence they were following Jesus, but we found out when they were 12, they were baptized at a camp. I go, really? That's what you're going to hold on to? A decision? Now, I think decisions are important. But Jesus never called us to go and make decisions. He called us to go and make disciples. What is a disciple? A follower of Jesus. And Jesus is a shepherd who leads us. And how does he lead? He's not a cattle driver from behind, cracking the whip. Shepherds lead from the front. Do you know that wherever Jesus is leading you, he's walking in front of you to that place? You know when Jesus encouraged you to take a step of faith? You know, it's a new job, new ministry, new relationship, whatever it is. God says, trust me in this. He's in front of you, not behind you. So when he says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age, I, sometimes I think he's, he's like way back there waving to me saying, I'm still back here. But really Jesus is saying, no, I'm up in front. Come, come, come over this way. Follow me. I'm the shepherd who's leading you to the green pastures, to the better place. Follow me. Remember that verse, it's in the 23rd Psalm, that great um, shepherd psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. There's a place in there where where David says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I used to think of that as, as God coming behind me and just kind of everywhere I go, he's pouring out love and goodness. But maybe, maybe this is what God's saying in that. Everywhere I go, I leave a trace of goodness and love. When I'm following the good shepherd, you know how animals leave deposits? You're leaving deposits of love and goodness. And people look at the trail behind you and go, man, that was a good woman. That's a merciful man. That's a loving person. Isn't that what you want people to say about you at your funeral? What kind of legacy you leave? Surely God's goodness and love will be my legacy all the days of my life. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I know people take this verse and sometimes hold it up and think, see, see, that person who accepted Christ at age 12 at the camp there says they would never, ever be lost. They would never, ever perish. But I just want to tell you it's very simple. Jesus said, if you are a sheep who is listening to his voice and following, yeah, for you, you will never, ever be separated from me. That's the key to follow the shepherd. See, when I'm listening to Jesus and doing what he says, I have full confidence that nothing can ever separate me from him. The assurance is not based on a decision, but on a continuing relationship. You know, I came across a, a prayer. It's, very, it's the very end of the book of Hebrews. 
And I never noticed it like this until this week. The writer says this, And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's my prayer for you. That the great shepherd of the sheep, not just the good shepherd, he's a great shepherd. May the great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing what? Not your will, but his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. That's what God wants to do. Follow the shepherd and do what pleases him. It's great to be in his fold, isn't it? Some of you may wish you could be part of that. Maybe wish, man, I wish I could have a shepherd like that. And the truth is you can. Jesus said, I have other sheep. I have other sheep to bring into the fold. And they will listen to my voice and they will come. You know, God was speaking to me the other day saying, Sunday is a day for someone to come into the fold. This is a day for somebody here for the first time in your life cross the line and say, I'm coming under the authority of Jesus Christ as the Lord and shepherd of my life. If God is speaking to you today, all you have to do is say yes to him.